0: Yesterday, we were learning the pasuk that says, Hashem yishmorcha, Hashem will watch over us, mikolra, from anything that is bad. And yesterday we explained what does it mean, anything that's bad. We said there are things that are bad, but a person doesn't realize how bad they are and therefore he may not even be aware that he needs protection from that area and the pasuk says that if Hashem watches over us he'll watch over us even from things that we may not realize are so bad and we said the midrash says what does it mean mikolra So the midrash says me um u And we explained yesterday doesn't mean that we are going to be protected from the danger of asav mm-hmm. and lavan Rather from the character of Aisab and lavan Aisab, we explained yesterday, is the symbol of being Faith. Aisab is an example of someone who wants to look good but isn't really within the same as they are on the outside. That's the way Aisab lives his life. Lavan. Represents something totally different. It's another sickness. That Lavan has. That, Again. Something that we all need to struggle with. And hopefully conquer. And Hashem will help us. Lavan is a man. A very interesting character. We see him a few times in the Torah. We see him by the marriage of Rifka, his sister. We see him by the marriage of his daughters, Rahel and Leah. We see him how he treats and deals with Abraham Avinu. So let me show you a few different examples of Lavan and his attitude. It says over here, In Parashat Hayesara, when Eliezer, when he came to find a bride for Yitzhak Avinu. So after there was a meeting between Rivka and Eliezer by the well, the Pasuk says that this young lady ran. She ran. (coughs) She ran. She went to tell her family about what transpired by the well with Eliezer and the camels and everything that we know. Pasuk turns our attention to what happened at that house when she came and told them what happened with her by the well. Pasuk says, Ul Rifka, ah. Rifka had a brother. We don't normally mention a brother in the (coughs) uh, shidduh process. Usually it's mother, father, they take care of the issues. She went back to tell her parents. But the pasuk here talks about Laban and his reaction. So it says that this brother, his name is Laban. And look what he does when he hears... There's a man that came from out of town, a guest, an oreah. Eliezer came. Vayarot Laban el haish. Laban ran to the man. Achutsa <laughs> el haain. He ran to Eliezer. That was by the well. When you read this pasuk. There is a reminder and an image of Abraham Avinu. Abraham Avinu, the pasuk says, when he saw (coughs) that there were guests in his town, he ran after them. So you see here a man following the ways of Abraham Avinu, running. Is a guest in town? When was the last time you ran? When there was a guest, you heard there's a guest in town. You ran after him. You made all the phone calls. You called them in. Pasuk says he ran after him. Beautiful, great image of a man running to do hesed. Next pasuk, vayhi kirot al-Nezem. It says when he saw the rings, veetat semidim. When he saw the bracelets, here the Pasuk comes after it tells us that he ran. It says, by the way, what happened? Why is he running? So it says, when he saw the jewelry on his sister that Eliezer already gave her. And when he heard Rivka, his sister, speak about the man, whatever he told her, he came to the man while he was by the camels. Here, the second pasuk explains to us what happened in the first pasuk. Interesting how the Torah wrote it. Torah didn't write that he saw the jewelry and he ran. Interesting. It says he ran. And then it says... And when he heard about the jewelry or he saw, excuse me, he saw the jewelry he heard about the man. why does it switch orders? Could perhaps, perhaps Torah is telling us that when he first ran if you would see Lavan running he wasn't running because of the jewelry if you would ask Lavan, where are you going? What happened? You're running. He said, what do you mean? There's a guest coming from out of town I see He has no place to stay what should we leave him in the dark? Where should, where, should we, where should he sleep? Should he sleep in the field? Should he sleep by the well? The Torah gives the first pasuk as if this is a pure act of kindness. And then the Torah says, by the way, it's not so pure. It was all about money. Which means that if he didn't see the jewelry on his sister, if he didn't see a financial gain, there's a guest in doubt. Let him sleep or somewhere else. But what, what does that have to do with me? Is a new guy came in, coming in that needs a place to sleep? Let him sleep in the field. Let him pitch a tent. But he has he has money? Fadal. I have or urheh. There are people who only do or urheh with people who have money. Opposite of the mitzvah. The whole idea of the mitzvah is that bring in guests for people who need you. But they are people that bring in guests all the time. But they have to be not needed. That's, that's the, one of the rules. <laughs> they have to qualify as people who don't need you. Rather, you need them. Then you invite them to your house. If you bring someone to your house because you want something from them, let's make it clear. There's no but and there's no also. Not called the or at all. There's zero akhnasat or If you invite someone because you feel that there's a benefit to the person, whatever the benefit might be, and you're helping them, so that it's a mitzvah. But if you bring them in in order to strip them of their money that it's not considered (laughs) akhnasat or haim. This is the story with Laban. Laban is a man who makes his decisions based on money. In Laban's world, the value that is at the highest is kesef, is money. By the way, you see, later on, by his own daughters, when Rahel met Yaakov Avinu, and the pasuk says, <coughs> when Laban heard, it says Vahi, kishmoa Laban, when Laban heard et shema the news of Yaakov. Benahoto, his nephew. You heard Yaakov's in town. Pasuk says, Again, what a beautiful man. He's running to receive his nephew. By the way, now how old he was? At this point, he was almost 100 years old. What an image. A 100-year-old man. is running. He's running. He hugged him by and he kissed him. by Bi'ehu El Beto and he brought him into his house. Gorgeous. All the right things to do. Comes Rashi Allah Shalom, knowing this personality of Lavant, says Rashi Allah shalom says Rashid, from the Midrash why is he running? Kesavur Mamon Hutaun. he thought Yaakov was coming with a lot of money Sheharae Aved Habayit when Eliezer who's a slave when he came some years before for his sister Balakan he came with 10 camels that were full of goods, full of merchandise, full of jewelry. By the way, today's class is for Refua Shilema, Shimuel Ben Garaz. Hashem should send him Refua Bekarov. Amen. He says, if the slave came here with 10 camels, Imagine what the actual family member, Yaakov, how much he's coming with. But then he went to see him and he realized that he has nothing. You know how disappointed it is when you invite someone to your house and you think he has money and you do all the work. And then after someone tells you, by the way, He lost all his money. What a waste of time. This is what happened. He ran there, sees the guy. There's no camels. There's no money. So what does he do? So he hugged him. Why did he hug him? Says Rashi. When he saw he had nothing on him, Amar he said it there. Yes, I like the airport. (laughs) 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 He says, Amari says, Maybe, Maybe he's not going to walk around with camels, this guy. He's not going to walk around with big items. He probably has major diamonds sitting in his pockets that are worth more than all of Eliezer's items. It must be somewhere in his uh, pocket. So what do you do? He hugged him. He hugged him. He frisked him, nothing. So what do you do next? Pasuk says, Bay sheklo. So he kissed him. Why did he kiss him? Says Rashi Amar he said, margaliot Maybe he does have diamonds. Vehem And they in his mouth. So he's kissing him to see what he could find in his mouth. That's a little bit hard to understand. Usually people don't hide diamonds in their mouth. But they, they, they explain. That's not what it means. They explain that when he realized that he had nothing on him. So he, he thought he probably has them hidden somewhere in the safe. He has them somewhere hidden in, in a secret place. Like people hide their jewels. So, ve nasheklo doesn't literally mean while he's kissing him, he's trying to feel out his mouth. It means that while he's kissing him, he's flattering him. He tells him, oh, you're the best. Matthew like, you're so special. I heard about you. I heard how great you are. What do you do, by the way? You ever hear that? What do you do? Somewhere in the conversation. And he's saying, wow, a I heard, by the time you get the guy comfortable, you flatter him enough, that's by Nashiklo. And Law, you butter him up, you kiss up to him, as they say. And then, hopefully, he'll start opening up all of his, the well springs of his wealth. Well. See that? By sheklo. That's what it means, he kissed him. Trying to figure out where he might be hiding his jewels in secret. Again, here's an image of a 98 year old man running after somebody with one thing in his mind: money. In Lavan's world, money is the idol we see in the Torah. Yaakov Abinu tells him. <clears throat> That you exchanged my my wages. Aseret monim. Aseret monim means 10 times 10. a 100 times. During their relationship and business. I know you have had some difficult customers. That tried to either not pay or deduct. Or claim they never got the goods. You've had, I'm sure you've had your experience of people... Yeah, it's a moth down, right? All types of reasons not to pay. Lavant. Lavant is the guy. He did it not once. You, know, you have customers. He did it once, twice, and catch them. Three times, five, times. He did it a hundred times. That means he had a hundred ways of deducting from the invoice that he owes. monim. A hundred ways. And by the way, it's his son-in-law, it's his family, it's his daughters, it's his children. But again, if you have a love of money that makes money a priority, it doesn't matter who is standing in the way. We see Lavan is a spiritual man, not in the right spiritual direction but you know you see a guy who's religious even if his religion is sheked even if his religion is false but there's something to be said about a guy who is religious in his worship the yeah sometimes the guy religious again it just shows that he has something besides you know eating and drinking he does have a spiritual direction There's a purpose in his life. We see that Lavan was such a person. Again, not with Ahmed. For example, it says (laughs) that when Yaakov Avinu, he he ran away with his family. And it says that Lavan he caught up to him. He ran after him. Here he says, Suk says, here we go. Yaakov, excuse me, Lavan tells Yaakov when he catches up to him. He says, okay, you left. You didn't tell me. I hear. You missed your parents. You missed your family. You're rushing out. You didn't have time to tell me goodbye. Okay. ganafta teloai why did you steal my god my idol he had idols that he worshipped. what are you stealing my idols for this is precious to me you see he's a religious man who has idols a person in the world who worships them beautiful again he's off but at least he has something surprisingly this same man this religious man who can't believe that someone would take his idol when, <clears throat> when Eliezer came, the pasuk says, he told him lama Ta'amod Why it seems that Eliezer, when he got to the home of Laban, he, uh, does, uh, he's standing outside. I'll, I'll just wait outside. He told him why why are you outside? There piniti He says, don't worry, I clean my house. Clean from what? As she says, me Don't worry. Eliezer didn't, didn't want to go in because it was dirty. That's not the reason why he wanted to go in. He didn't want to go in. his idols in it. Lavan understood. He told them, what's the issue? Don't worry. I already got rid of all of them. But one second. What happened to you? You're Mr. Idol Religious. You have... A spiritual side to you comes Eliezer. Comes the the money. Is hold on. Let me put away. Let me put away the feeling for now. The keeper goes somewhere in hiding. Uh, you see what's going on? You see a poor guy. You Can put you on kippah. Kippah, You put on your talet over your head. Doesn't matter. Guy with money. All of a sudden, everything changes all of a sudden you become a different person your your spiritual belief or your way of life all of a sudden is getting altered also you're saying words you never say you don't talk like that you're not that kind of person but all of a sudden you're talking like that you never look like that you never dress like that But if you're around that, all of a sudden, you look different. You talk different. You look different. You act different. You're not the type of guy that goes to this place. But there's no choice because you have somebody with money who's telling you to go with him. I know this sounds, uh, you know, very terrible. But in reality, it's something that we struggle with us every day. Don't think this is something for the people in the street. We struggle on on a certain level. We struggle with this all the time. That when we're around people with money, our love of money changes our behavior and our attitude. We act one way in the Bet Knesset. We act one way when we're with certain people. With other people, we act differently. Now, we think that's called hypocritical. That we're not so solid. That's not what it is. Usually what it is, is that the people that we're around, if they have money, become a very big influence in the way we behave. Because we want them to be happy with us. Because somewhere in the back of our mind, we think that perhaps one day we'll get rich with them. One day, maybe they'll include us in the deal that they're going to make. One day, they'll be able to, who knows, invite us to their parties. Or maybe they're going to have... a. Uh, you know what do you call that destination wedding, and they're gonna and they're gonna, and they're gonna, and they're gonna, they're gonna pay they're gonna pay our our ticket. We're gonna go private. We're gonna we gonna enjoy. We have these dreams somewhere in the back of our head. It's a struggle. Don't don't think don't think this is something easy. And don't think that we're above it. Like we laugh about it. Like oh, it's it's a real thing. We become a different person. We literally transform. And we're we're not that kind of person. But we become that kind of person. Because we have a priority. It's called the love of money. Love of money literally changes everything about us. The amazing thing. You take a person. He has value A, value B, value C, value D. He has all the values. He got them from his parents. He got them from his rabbis. He got them from himself. He's let. If you would have left him without love of money, he would have been type A. But the love of money literally transforms the person. Everything about him changes. And you may look at him and say, ah, what happened to the guy? He went off the derech. He went off the road. He became arrogant, he became this, he became that. What happened to him? I used to know him, he was very humble. Now he's not like that, the way he talks, the way he drives, the way he dresses. We automatically assume that a guy went off the dead to a different dead That's not what happened. What happened is that his love of money, and because it's a priority in his life, I'm not saying, of course, that money is bad, God forbid. Money is very good. Money, we all like money. There's nothing wrong to like money. That's not the issue. The issue is when money becomes your number one value which unfortunately is the norm. The love of money is something natural that God gave all of us. The love of money is something that is so strong that Shlomo HaMelech says, O Hev Kesef, which is us, those who love money, lo yisba kesef. It's an insatiable desire. All physical desires have a limit. There's a limit to how much you can eat. There's a limit to how many times you can have desires in your life. But there's no limit when it comes to the love of money. It's unlimited. There's no enough. There's no I already did. There's no I have. There's no... Of course, you could talk to talk and you could say, Yeah, I'm, a, you know, I'm very satisfied. Thank God. Baruch Hashem. But in reality... The love of money has a tremendous influence on us. An influence that affects every movement of our lives. When it comes to people who have money and around money and around the desire for money. It alters. It regular alters. So when you see a guy, he's doing things that don't make sense. Don't think he became that. The love of money has altered his lifestyle and his decision making. He talks differently because of the love of money. It's amazing how one area, one desire could literally influence every part of our behavior. I want to read for you. By the way, Hazal tell us that uh, Bil'am is Laban. Some say Bil'am ben Be'or, that Be'or is Lavan. The point is that Bil'am and Lavan shared a common denominator. Bil'am too is a man we see in Parashat Balak. When Balak sends for him and he said, I need you to curse the Jewish people, Balak tells him, Bilaham said, I'm sorry I can't do it. God told me last night I can't do it. They came back and he sent him more Hashub ministers to try to lure him with honor. So he says, look what he says. They came back, these new this new group to convince Balak to do the jobs. Says over here very they came to Bil'am and they told him, We are coming as representatives of the king. Do not hold back from coming to me and helping me. He says, I will give you a lot of honor. I'll make you president. I'll make you prime minister. I'll make you head of agriculture. I'll make you defense minister. Ki me'od. I will give you tremendous honor. tomar Whatever you want. What, what position you want. I'll do it. Wulchanah. Amaz just come and curse the station Listen to bilam's answer By bil'am answered by Yame and he said balak if balak will give me mellobeto is entire warehouse of silver and gold i cannot Yes, I cannot go against the word of... God. Sounds very nice. Sounds like he's a... This sounds like a very positive state. No matter how much money, how much gold, how much silver, I cannot go against the will of God. But then you look at Rashi. That's why you need Rashi. Because otherwise, you read backwards. We read things backwards. When we read this, we say, wow, beautiful. What a man. Guy comes. Imagine a guy declares how much money you give me. I can't go against the word of God. So, wow, great. Comes Rashi al Shalom, opens our eyes and says, no, 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 relax. He says, says, Rashid La Madnu. From this Pasuk we learned, which means the soul is unsatiated. He wants money. Amar, what he was what he was trying to tell him is his follow. Ra'uilo. It's really fitting for him. He should have given me all his money, Bala, to do this. I'm I'm gonna be instead of an entire army, how much did that cost him? are gonna lose this country. He should give me everything. He spoke, I will give you all the honor in the world. <laughs> Send them back. Even if you give me all the money, I don't get... I don't offer you money. Balak never offered the money. But that's Bil'am. Bil'am is thinking about money even when the others are not offering him money. His, You see already his mindset, says Rashi. His mindset, you see from his words. You don't want to go, don't go. Say, I'm sorry, I can't do it. All the kaboard you give me, I can't do it. He, they spoke honor, he answered with money. Because in Bil'am's dictionary, kavod could only mean money. There's, there's nothing that could have a real meaning, a real kavod than money. Automatically, he translates money. So many times in life, we see things, and really what we're seeing is money. We're doing something, we're helping somebody, but it's money. Money represents for us a lot of different areas and we could be misled thinking we're doing A, but we're really involved in money. I have to read for you some very powerful words. In a sefer called Mishnat Rabbi Aharon was written by the greater of Aaron Cutler. Zechad Zadik levracha He says, Yeshnam. Listen to these words. These words you have to memorize. Put them in your pocket. You don't have to know them in Hebrew. You could know them in English too. But you should really, we should really try to internalize what he's saying. Something very, very powerful. He says, Yeshnam devarim. He says, There are things She'afilu there are things in our lives that we wouldn't even consider them sins, not even averot kalot. We wouldn't even consider them as small sins, light sins. Which means, in our lives, if we look at our portfolio of what we do, we don't do. There are certain things we would say you know what that's not so good I really need to fix that I could do better here one day I'll get to that and then there are things he says that we would not even consider them even a lights sin. I mean we, they wouldn't show up at all in our radar in our portfolio we would look oh he said not that and if you asked us, we would say, they're not even relevant to us. Like, not re- this issue, not relevant. <inaudible> not relevant to something that is forbidden or something negative. <inaudible> they're just like, uh, whatever, it's a thing. You know, they're things. This guy, I like to play basketball, like play tennis. He likes to play, play toilet. Okay. It's a thing. What does that mean? Like to play tennis? Nothing. Just one of your things. That's how we look at them. There are certain things that we look at them as just things, and not really that important in our in our essence and who we are. Umimela, of course, when you look at them as only things, dashimo we trample on our lives because of them, and we don't even realize. It's one thing you're doing wrong and you realize. But here he's saying there's something that you could be doing in your mind. Nothing wrong. Zero. Zero, zero, zero wrong. And yet you're trampling your life. He says, And even more than that, not only you'll be trampling your life. They become our constant thought process and they become our road and everything that we do. <inaudible> is in truth, is in truth, what you might think is not even so big, not so relevant, not that bad. He says, could be the worst of the worst. Could you imagine, you tell someone, you're doing a sin, that in your eyes, is not even a sin. In your eyes, it's no big deal. In your eyes, imagine you went to a guy, and you convinced him, that playing tennis, once a week, is called, hamurot Ba hamurot. He says, you are doing, from the worst sins, imaginable in life. He'd look at you, and he'd be like, why do you talk, playing tennis is hamorot sheba hamurat You know what you think about when you think hamorot You think about murder. You think about adultery. You think about the worst sins. Hamorot hamurat You tell a guy, there's something in your life that's really bad. Really, it's very bad. It's the worst of the worst. He's thinking, what is it? What what is it? Tennis every Wednesday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really it's a, it's a terrible thing. You got it. You got to stop that. the guy. What? What are you talking about? Okay, he lost his mind. That's what he's telling you. Not tennis. He said, but there is something that in your eyes is like tennis. In your eyes, it's like uh, whatever It's a thing. It's a thing. And meanwhile, it's from the worst of the worst. And what is that he says? He says, Ki <coughs> 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 comes from not a pure place. nov'im <laughs> By the way, he's talking about Ahavat mamon. Hamdat mamon. Not even Ahavat mamon. Ahavat mamon is okay. You could love money. That's not a better. thing. Hamdat mamon. Hamdat <laughs> mamon. That means you have an obsession with money. Doesn't matter, by the way. You could be poor and have an obsession with money. You could be very rich and have an obsession. this. Is not. This has nothing to do with the, which class you you, you of of, uh, of finances you have. Hamdat mamon <laughs> means that you're obsessed with money. What does it mean obsessed? It means that no matter what you do in your life, money is always at the helm. It's always deciding factor of what you should do or not do. No matter what you do, no matter what it is, you're raising your children, money comes first. After the side. who are going to be your children's friends? You know for many people, they better be have, they better have friends who have money.. So there are many people who would rather their friends, their children be with friends who are not such great quality, they have money, then they should be with simple people. Me, my friend, my child, should be friendly with that kid but they're family they're, 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 people have they have ways of saying it but in a much nicer way they don't say uh, he has no money uh, that's why there's other ways that we can make those statements you know uh, they're not our style <coughs> okay then I, your style sounds very like haju <laughs> okay it's not his style okay you know when you order menu he has chicken You order order fish. Why would you order fish? It's not my taste. It's not my style. It sounds so innocent. Pure. It's not my style. If you would say the truth, it would sound very ugly. The real reason is because you think that you, in order to be a hashub and your children to be a hashub, they have to be around. People have money. That's what you think. That's where you want your children around. That's how you choose their education. That's how you choose your vacation. It's how you choose what they wear. It's how you choose your spouse. First thing, money, not money. Again, nobody here is saying that money isn't important. Nobody saying money isn't good. But when it becomes your obsession, which is very likely that it is, unless you sit here like we're sitting today and becoming aware of it, it's your obsession... And when it's your obsession, it becomes the decision maker in everything in your life. Everything from your children, to your homes, to your vacation, to who you marry, to who your children marry, to how you act, to how you deal with people. Everything. It becomes everything in your life. It's one goal and everything is under it. He, that's why he calls it. It's called Hamurache Bahamurot. It is from the most the worst of the worst. Even though it seems so innocent. Look, I didn't steal from anybody. I didn't hurt anybody. I didn't embarrass anybody. So okay, so I love money. You're right? So I'm obsessed with money. He's obsessed with uh with, with tennis. What's what's the difference? No, no, no. Hammuroche Bahamurot. He says, Him nov And by the way, he says. This comes, You're lacking You're lacking from the foundations of emuna, Which means an obsession with money is coming from something lacking in your emuna In this world and how to live this world and who is providing for you and what money is for altogether. And the results are very bad. He goes and he talks about it. Unbelievable. He says they become the essence of the person, and everything will be decided through that 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 mindset. We see, we see. This is the this is lavan. This is mikolra. Mikolra is something that. Do I need protection from Hashem, from the love of money? I don't know. what's, what's wrong with loving money? That's why says David Melech, if Hashem is watching over you, He watches over you even from something like this. That you shouldn't fall into this trap of humanity where you become a person who is obsessed with money and getting more money and being around money and doing everything for money. It will destroy your life as the Ishtat Rabbi Aaron says, He's actually commenting on the famous story of Beni Gad and Benere Reuben, the tribes that when Am Yisrael was ready to go into the cross the Yarden to Eretz Canaan to Eretz Yisrael, two tribes who had a lot of cattle. They said to Moshe Rabbeinu, "Let us stay here. Let us just stay here. We like this land. We don't have to go across. It's perfect for us." Basuk says, "Yeah." Basuk says, "What he says to them." So I'll just end off with this. It says over here, It says they came to him, and they told him, elav." When they came to him, they came to Moshe Rabbeinu, and they said, "Gidrot son, po." We want to build pens for our sheep, for our cattle over here. And we want to build cities for our youth, for our children. And then we're going to go and we're going to fight. Don't worry. We're we're not... uh, Moshe Rabinu thought that these guys didn't want to fight. What are you doing? We're going to take over the country. We need your help. Of course we're going to go. We're going to go with you. First, we're going to build for our animals, and for our children, and then we're going to go. But Okay, fine. If you're willing to go fight, no problem. But in his words, he repeats the condition they said. But he repeats it in a different way. He says, Go ahead. Build cities for your children. And for your sheep. He says, And then, and after you build for your children, you could build for for your sheep, for your animals. When they spoke to him, they said, we're going to build for our animals and then we're going to build for our children. Moshe Rabbeinu corrected them. No, no. You build for your children and then you build for your cattle. Which means that he exposed them. He exposed that their decision was coming from Hamdat Mamun. He saw a great business opportunity, true, but they put their children behind After their money They said We're going to take care of our business And we're going to raise our children here He said no, no You're going to raise your children here And then you take care of your business You have it all wrong And in fact After 14 years When they came back from fighting It says that They saw that they came home They saw Their children looked like goyim They looked like the pagans They were living with Which means That a person Through Hamdat Mamon Is capable Of Putting money ahead of his own children. Of course he loves his children. But the money is deciding how he should love his children. And where he should love his children. And what kind of children they should be in order for him to love her. Money becomes the deciding factor. That's what it means. Mikol Ra. Mikol Ra. Means Hashem is going to watch you from things you may not think are so bad. That's what the Midrash is saying. He's going to watch you from Lavan. He's gonna watch you from B, A Lavan. This is something that we should not only hope that Hashem watches over us, but we should make our efforts to be aware of the problem and fix it, so we can have a real, successful life for ourselves and our families and everything we do. Amen. Amen.